0: Listening Dog Media.
1: This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and a warm welcome to the Offside Rule. Woohoo! Three ladies talking about football, behind the scenes knowledge, little Snippets from uh, the most beautiful game covered here on the show. Myself, Kate Borsay, joining you. The other two I mentioned. Well, Lindsay Hooper here, as ever. She had a very eventful journey in today. So we'll find out more about that in just a second. Joining her, Robin Cowan, commentator extraordinaire across the men's and women's game. There's not much she doesn't know about football. Right, Robin?
2: I'd contest that. I think a lot of people would, to be honest. Still drying off from my journey in as well.
1: Oh, my goodness me. Well, Robin arrived looking like a miniature snowman. (laughs) She'd got her all-weather boots on. She'd got a very large coat on. And you can tell that she's been in the game of football for a while because that looked like, you know, seriously... Uh, the outfit of an experienced
0: gantry commentator I've been commentator on a gantry or two, yes.
2: I've been burnt before, and then you usually get a text from your mum saying, you should have taken an oh. extra layer. Yes. <laughs>
0: like Claire Rafferty, who was a bit cold in her jacket
1: recently, oh, did yes. you see? yes, on BT. Yes. yes, she covered the, the uh, Conti Cup final in the women's game, and by goodness, she looked freezing in fact she even joked that if it had gone to extra time, <laughs> yes, she was gonna she basically anyway. said to the BT sport production team I'm off by the way I cannot bear this yeah, any longer um, not just the elements that uh, Lindsay you've been dealing with um another sort of
0: yes yeah, I, I mean today. I I was when I set out this morning I was thinking oh this is a bit miserable I'm gonna be really wet I'd have taken that this morning <laughs> given my journey in just being a bit wet what did you get instead a man threw up oh on my, my train God. carriage oh. um not not too near me it was a bit Further down the, the carriage, could, but he it is the it smell. It was smell, and then he had to get off, and then they had to come on and try and deal with the the sick. Ugh. Oh, and also, I'm not one of those people. If I see someone being sick, no. it makes me. I'm, so I had to I'm just very turn phobic. away. This is. I mean, I'm actually feeling a bit
1: nauseous oh, as no. you're
0: telling me this. this I'm this hoping I haven't got an aroma of puke.
1: No. Um,
0: and then, just as we got into final destination, <laughs> London Waterloo. A lady had got a pram, and I think in the rush to try and get off the train because it's melt, misjudged as she was pushing oh. off. I thought the baby was going to fall out the pram. Thankfully, it didn't. Someone came to the rescue. Well, you, you
2: were poised
0: to. We were, we grab were poised the baby. to do a rugby style or a cricket style save, and then I thought, well, that's enough for one morning. Got to the tube part of the journey to get here, where we record, and a lady got stuck in the doors. You know what? You know when people, oh, gosh, try and even though there's another train in one minute, they try and get on with ten seconds as the doors going, boop, boop, boop. Oh. and then her leg and her bag oh. got stuck in, and she was like, she actually asked for help, and no one, no one helped her. They went, "No, oh, it'll open again in a minute."
2: Oh. <laughs> that is <London laughs> which I thought. True. Welcome and to London. I've just got visions
1: it? of rocking up to a platform and seeing a bag and a leg. Stuck out of a train door, sort of squashed, and no one helping her. But but actually, I suppose she was better off to stay put because if they'd have tried to pull her, she, they, you know, you, you probably could have broken the leg, right? So she yeah, probably the, the, is
2: better just probably to better stay off put Yeah, it's just, put and just wait. to be a bit more patient, right? Yeah, <laughs> I think this one. the wise Re- word of Robin <laughs> Cowan,
0: The response was probably the right one, but it just didn't seem very caring <laughs> no, in the way it was it said. Goodness gracious, gracious, the doors me. will open again in a minute.
2: Yes. I'm shocked by the London <laughs> Tube people for that. We're a nice lot, aren't we? We're also
1: dealing with. Coronavirus here in the capital, of course, um, and in the world of football, as well as all Serie A games for the next month will be played behind closed doors. In Scotland, the SPFL and the SFA have announced uh, that their traditional pre-match handshake between players, that's been scrapped, so that's gone. message also heeded by managers as well, by the way. Livingston's Gary Holt and Celtic's Neil Lennon uh, debuted an elbow bump the other day uh, before their premiership clash. Did you see that it was one of
0: those... Well, I prefer the, the ankle clash mm. as a greeting. There
1: are various ways of uh, yeah. ways of getting around it. Uh, let's move on with today's show uh, not just uh, coronavirus and incidents on London transport or freezing gantries, lots more to discuss. A uh, couple of big days happening this week. You know we've been blessed by events for this week and we're just going to cover all of them rather than have to choose between the merits of World Book Day and International Women's Day. Both very, very worthy. We're going to do a bit of an offside rule take on those. Uh, reminder though in the meantime that we're on Jack Radio's Friday from
0: four o'clock.
1: note the all-female lineup for our musical interludes on today's podcast as well. Uh, the youth of today, though, is our first topic. It's been a good week and a good season, hasn't it, for youngsters playing football, for promising young talent coming through. In the FA Cup, we've seen outstanding performances from Billy Gilmore. I mean, great for Chelsea. Horrible if you're a Liverpool fan like me, but he was, if I'm putting my impartial hat on, an excellent up-note of that game. Eddie Nketiah, Liverpool's y- youngsters uh, early on in the Season two making quite an impression. So I think we're going to celebrate the youth that's going on and have lit up the season so far. I'm going to go to Robin for your take, first of all.
2: First of all, you know when you do a bit of research on footballers and you see they were born after <laughs> the year 2000 oh, and you yeah. just shed a bit of a tear? <laughs>
1: yeah, I think, I mean, I, I mean, I'd like to ban talking about footballers born past 2000. <laughs> it really makes you very because depressed. Because <laughs> we did this for the, she believes, uh, England Lionesses squad the other day and, and painfully had a look at who was born after 2000.
0: Mm. And then we opened feel. up this topic, which has well and truly made me feel like, well, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. oh, me joints, me joints. Anyway...
2: <laughs> (laughs) I think the the big one worldwide who has just burst onto the scene this season is Erling Braut Haaland. Can't really argue with that. 19 years old, he set the world alight in the Champions League. He scored more Champions League goals in the group stage than Barcelona. Uh, for Red Bull Salzburg <laughs> together. he just keeps getting better doesn't he that's he's incredible. the fantastic thing
1: about this player you sort of feel like you've read all the plaudits about him and you know surely it's going to calm down a bit but with his transfer and everything else, he just seems to keep getting better I
2: think that's the thing and he's he's been taken care of isn't he the transfer from RB Salzburg to Borussia Dortmund just seems to have been absolutely seamless um, so he scored 12 goals already for Dortmund he only signed in January it's been incredible. absolutely incredible Um, a couple more for you Brandon Williams I've been really impressed Impressed with Manchester United, a left back. And just thinking about England, we don't really have... We have Ben Chilwell, don't Mm. we? Um, Not really too many options. We have a plethora of right backs, don't we? But not really um, left back. back. And I love the comment from Gary Neville who said um, Brandon Williams would eat... His opponent's nose to win a game. And that's the highest compliment that could be paid to you by Gary Neville. clearly really <laughs> is taken to him, uh, our Gary. So,
1: so, do, you, do, you, do, you, do you actually measure defenders by whether
2: they would eat people's noses or well, not? Well, Gary Neville does, clearly. <laughs> <laughs> that's his, uh, it's the highest compliment you can be paid. Bukaya Saka been incredible, hasn't he? For Arsenal again, really good against Portsmouth and Lindsay, you've got one to look forward to, haven't you, for Wolves, Luke Matheson, Cycle
0: Rochdale. Yeah, he's been brilliant. And Pedro Neto, let's not let's not ignore him. He's been fantastic for Wolves. Do you know Saka? 18 years old, he's been reinvented as
1: this left back, hasn't he? So, yeah, and again, sort of
2: needs must because they didn't have one. Yeah, he's been incredible. Great
1: against Everton the other week, um, leading goal provider in the Europa League with five assists in as many games, while no teenager in the Premier League has more overall in 10. So, he's proving his worth at such a young age, and that's that's what a lot of people say about him as a player. You can just, he just seems to have immediately adapted, be immediately at home in the Premier League, which for such an player. It's quite a remarkable thing, really. He
2: just seems to have that composure, doesn't he? You see some young players, they kind of snatch at things, don't they? And, you know, rightly so. It's kind of a big deal, isn't it? Yeah. But he just seems to be like, oh, okay, this is what's happening now and I've been asked to do this and he just does it.
1: G. Sir has just left me a note here. She's obviously read the same article as I did in the Times a couple of days ago. Straight A and A stars at GCSE. Oh, he's one of them, is he? There's a really good (laughs) article, actually, about him and his background and about how he was a diligent student, quiet guy, very unassuming very excellent with the football at his feet
0: Lindsay I have been to St Andrews a few times for the BBC this year and I've been um, keeping an eye on Jude Bellingham Mm. and he's only 16 and in a couple of matches that I've seen him perform in he was easily head and shoulders the best player on the pitch now what makes him so good at the tender age of 16 well I think he's got a little bit of everything. Uh, if people are making comparisons in the game, people are saying that he's the next Wayne Rooney coming through. He plays in midfield. Uh, technically, he's gifted. He's brilliant. Uh, the thing that I really like about him as well is that I think in a higher level, if, if he goes to the Premier League, which is being mute at the moment, or or one of the top leagues around Europe, I think he'll be even better because he's that sort of player that doesn't lose possession. And the, the championship can get very physical. Mm. It can get very hurly-burly and. midfield. Field, and I think when he has that little bit extra time on the ball as well, you'll see the real quality that he possesses physically. He's only going to get better as well at 16, he's still got growth, and already he's a physical presence. So, I, th- I think that Jude Bellingham is really one to watch. I've been at matches where there have been endless amounts of scouts there keeping an eye on him. Mm. Um, I think I even mentioned and referred to that in one of my reports so there there is definitely talk around him so Borussia Dortmund are now the front runners Mm. to get his signature and I think the thing is with Jadon Sancho potentially coming the other way to the Premier League they're going to have a gap to fill. And that's an interesting one, isn't it?
1: Because if you call this sort of Jadon Sancho going to Bundesliga as a bit of an experiment, it has paid off and it's definitely made his game or brought brought wealth to his game in
0: terms of his experience and his vision. I think for, for younger else. players, they are seen as a really great development club. Mm. Uh, just in case parents, you know, when you're talking of kids of this age, they might have a concern about going to the likes of Manchester United, who are supposedly yeah. interested as well. Barcelona of been then it's difficult, isn't
1: it? Because you're then having to challenge yourself with moving to a whole different country and I would assume families move with. I
0: prefer it if the initial interest, which came from wolves... Uh, actually saw fruit. Followed through. But yeah. I, I think they're probably going to lose out now because of the money involved but to give that some context this is a 16 year old he, he turns 17 in June now you can't have a professional contract in football until you're 17 so mm. at the moment he's still on what you would call an academy wage around about £150 pounds a week we're talking and then the money that's being mentioned to get his signature mm. which of course his dad is going to play a, a huge part in sealing that deal his family look after his mm. affairs is around £30 million Pounds he's been priced at. I just wonder if the whole Brexit
1: thing will play a part because once we leave the EU, the age at which players can transfer between clubs in Europe will rise. So that's an interesting one, actually, whether when we're thinking about younger talent going abroad, what what sort of isn't isn't going to be possible. I'm going to chip in with one from Liverpool here, who's impressed me so much this season. I'm, I'm positive that you guys will have seen him in action too, Curtis Jones, mm. only 19, the pick of the bunch really for Liverpool. We've seen Harvey Elliott at six. You know, lots of hair, lots of skill, very good. Some, you know, some very exciting prospects at the club. But Curtis Jones, for me, in terms of someone who's come onto the scene and looked instantly at home, not phased at all, scored the winning goal that saw Liverpool past Everton in the FA Cup. Yeah, scored in the next round three weeks later against Shrewsbury. That game ending in a draw. We know it went to a replay when the team were on winter break. He captained the side uh, for that replay at Anfield. The club's youngest ever captain whilst it's sore talking about the FA Cup. He is the highlight of the FA
0: Cup and Liverpool's experience for me. I think one one quality as well that links all of these players, if you were talking Jones for you, Kate, Harlem for you and, and Bellingham, is this maturity for yeah. young players. They yeah. all possess this maturity. Where's that, where's that coming from, do you think? Because this is, you know, this
1: season is, is really interesting in terms of the young talent coming through. When you're looking at Chelsea and at Billy Gilmore and a fair few others there, Mason Mount, you know, players that have been at the academy for several years, you you're perhaps not surprised, and also because of what happened with their transfer embargo, that was always going to be a given. But I think it has surprised people how many other bright young things are coming through at other
2: clubs as well. I, I think it's to do with the club and who your manager is is mm. the big thing for me because I've seen a lot of Norwich this season, mm. and because they just simply can't afford to buy players, they have to love the develop. youngsters. So. Max Aaron's, Todd Cantwell, to name but two, have been absolutely brilliant this season. Cantwell's penalty against Spurs in the FA Cup was just ridiculous, mm-hmm. a rocket, mm. you know, the confidence of the young man. Mm. So it, I think it's all to do with the environment, isn't it?
0: Dare I get slightly political with this as well and, and say that society wise, I, I think that children are growing up quicker than they ever, ever used to. There isn't as much playtime. You know, where do they go and play? Youth clubs have... have Disintegrated. I think about how my youth was extended when I was younger, and there aren't really those things out there anymore. And I wonder if there's this force to grow up a bit quicker. Mm. Um, and well, I'm not saying that that's necessarily always a good thing, but I think in a, in a sporting arena it is. Yeah. But also
2: in the context of football, I think they are being taken care of better, aren't they? Because we see we've heard horror stories of well, you know apprentices and well, things that they were supposed so. to do. And
1: also let's hope that the development of these players continues long term as well, and that they aren't that that they don't just peak at 20 or at 19 or at 23 even it needs to be about the longevity of the career
0: I'm going to wrap things up so we've got to move on to the next topic a very quick straw poll though because we were all that generation and dare I say that probably binge drinking a little bit <laughs> and- <laughs> what? what? <laughs>
2: What are you talking about, Lindsay? I do you not think that no, nowadays think, yeah, it's a lot more sensible? Drink, fewer people smoke, I feel, like young people oh, a today. Load, they're they're fewer very smoke, much more health conscious. Also, young yeah. people
1: can't afford to binge drink anymore um, because they're all on a lot less money. It's much harder for them to buy a house. Yeah. Um, and it's much, you know, easier. They they basically rather spend their pennies on being vegans. So very quickly, would you would you
0: trade it? Because I wouldn't. No. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Pass on that one.
0: Long live the old days.
2: (laughs) The Um, old binge drinking (laughs) test.
0: All
1: right, well, from Lindsay's inspirational experiences being a binge drinker. I don't mean that really. Um, I'm sure you. Well, she's the kind of person that would probably have a few drinks the night before and turn up and still do a professional job the same day. Just like producer Abby, who's been out at a glitzy yes, awards ceremony. Yes, I last think night. Abby and
0: I can both say that some of our best work has been slightly hungover. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh, we do not advocate this at all. No. If you're
1: listening on anyway. Jack Radio at four o'clock, uh, anyway, let's talk about next some inspirational women. Yes, Annie and Aretha, sisters, really are doing it for themselves. We like to chime this tune as well, don't we, on the offside rule. Uh, we're going to get empowered. We're going to give it, give a bit of stick to the old men out there. No, we're not really. We're just going to celebrate some amazing women. Uh, that's because Sunday 8th of March is International Women's Day. So as an all-female podcast, we've Got to highlight this in the offside way, and we're just going to do this simply by mentioning a few names in football, women involved in football somehow who you might not be aware of, and some of the brilliant things that they do. Robin,
2: well, everyone's going to be very much aware of this person because, for me personally, it's Jackie Oatley, yeah, because there were no female role models in that line of work. I didn't think it would be possible. You know, I listened to Jonathan Pierce, Alan Green, all, all were men. TV radio and Jackie Oatley showed that it was possible to actually do it. She was doing it and she also did it under terrible circumstances yeah. as well. And scrutiny. Scrutiny was did you, ridiculous. Did you actually
0: read the articles at the time? Do you remember seeing her the time, in the paper? Not the time, but Aaron? I've spoken
2: to her, you know, subsequently and she's been a, a brilliant mentor for me. Even when I was nobody, just wanting to get into work. She spent the time with me. She emailed me, giving me advice. Mm. And then, yes, eventually when we became a bit closer, she did tell me what it was like. And it was awful. I don't think I would have coped Mm. with what she went through. Um, and I have to say
0: to you, Robin, because I suppose there was strength in numbers because you and Vicky Sparks have come through together. I feel there's helped, been a yeah. little bit of female fraternity going on mm-hmm. there. And I think that it was it was approached this time round a lot better. Definitely. But, um, you know, I was spoken to about maybe doing it at one point, not so long after Jackie had done it. Mm. And it terrified me, terrified me, the thought of being that that next person to do it on your yeah. own. And obviously... There was a whole debate during the World Cup in Russia involving Vicky Sparks, a
1: completely needless debate about whether we were ready to hear women's voices, it whether, have been hard, whether men could, hear, could cope with hearing women's voices commentate, which is, which is so ridiculous. Lindsay, I put you forward for a commentary job about two and a half, three years ago, and the guy in charge, I won't name the company... The guy in charge said, yeah, but I don't think our male listeners are ready to hear a female voice yet, are they? And he just was such an off-the-cuff comment. And I was really taken aback by it because I was like, well... You know, this this is only a few years ago. If it you're not prepared me. to give it a go, and this you know is a major broadcast network, if you're not prepared to give it a go, then where? And 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 this is like a like a thirty young thirty year old ish guy. So it's not not not. You know, this is someone who should be a lot more
0: developed in terms of their brain space, Mm. in terms of welcoming women. Well, on on another, probably the same major network, I I actually found out, and I didn't realise this, in 2013, December 2013, I I had been knocking on the door for some time as a reporter going out covering matches. And I eventually did do a report for this station. And um, some people that worked there told me, and it was in my shock horror, that I was the first female to do a match report so we're not talking commentary we're talking reporting mm. on matches for this network December 2013 yeah it was a different network by the way in case oh, anyone oh, okay joining
1: the dots and coming it was a different a, network yeah though. okay yeah. that's fine
2: but thank god for Jackie because I've said this before she took a bullet basically for me and Vicky because she was the first and she will always be the first mm. and I think a lot of people admire her for that but and, and in retrospect, she gets a lot of respect for it. Yeah. But I think it should be recognised that at the time uh, she had a really, really tough experience. I just that.
0: wish that she was there with you now also doing it.
2: Me too. I don't know. I don't really understand why she isn't to be honest but um, she did commentary on the women's world cup yes. for uh, and, the world cup and got uh, world feed. so
0: many plaudits for it yeah.
1: the
2: amount of people that spoke to me about but how why great she did but why wasn't she
1: on our major networks here in this country flying the flag for british women commentary she wasn't on looked game. after
2: properly I've got to say me and Vicky have been as Lindsay alluded to the fact that it's been two of us has taken the pressure off both of us I feel anyway mm. don't want to speak for Vicky but the fact that we've been nurtured we haven't been thrown in at the deep end mm. uh, we've done, built it up very gradually women's football radio TV men's football it's all been very gradual so I can't speak highly enough of mm. the BBC and how we've been looked and after and the process yeah, yeah. It's, it's
0: been managed properly
2: this oh, look,
1: we are Jackie Oatley fans we know her well we respect her incredibly um, and it's only right that she gets a mention well, Linz, before we move on to yours, I'll chip in uh, with Susan Whelan, CEO of Leicester City. There are not enough women on boards when it comes to football-related activities. That's a huge area. In fact, I was at an event this weekend for Girls United um, with um, Cassie from Women in Football, and she was talking about this. That there is a major gap in the market for women in high-ranking positions in football, and we all know that uh, the organisations benefit when there are women on the board, and football still has to catch up with this. Um, but all hail CEO of Leicester City, Susan Whelan. She's been there since 2011, so it's not like she's just come in as some sort of quota or some sort of let 's get a woman into this role she 's been there from the club being a championship side to the very top of the premier League and into europe and of course she 's you know been there whilst they 're now on another resurgent period, heavy focus on infrastructure and sustainability at the club that that is her big thing long term
2: growth is her big thing there still aren't enough women doing those sorts of roles doing those are sorts of
1: roles yeah definitely she's also led the club with major capital development projects including uh, their new training facility which is going to open soon I know there's plans for an extension of the King Power Stadium um, so she's going in and completely bossing it she's not known by many actually she's not one of those Karen Brady types who you know everyone mentions if you mention a woman in football first
0: um, but all hail from me to Susan Whelan from Leicester City. There are too many when you look into this where there's the only, like Sean Massey being the only referee and lineswoman in the Premier League. Mm. Um, that's not enough, in my opinion, in the top flight. When you consider that every single Premier League match now you have four officials, you've yeah. got a fourth official. <laughs> to have one isn't enough. You haven't got any at the moment in the whole of the EFL, in the men's game, any female coaches. Uh, head coaches so that's another thing that needs addressing big style and hopefully when we have this conversation again at some point we'll be able to say some examples and they won't just be the
2: only ones. yes because that's the yeah that's the thing you get accused of being um of a tokenism then don't you well yeah. she's she's the female or just being
1: a bit of an experiment you know Absolutely. so and so's experimenting with 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 with, with you know and and, and 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 you know the female needs to be supported needs to be there
0: for a long time to make that work mm. Mm. I think you were right as well when you said decision makers and the, and the reason why I've picked the person that I have is because it's a business person and it's someone at the top of the, the tree in that organisation and I've gone for uh, Sharona Friedman who's actually in charge of UCFB which is um, universities for football business um, you might have seen them up and down the country you can go and study it started originally in Burnley there's Wembley Stadium they have offices where you're overlooking the pitch at the Etihad they've now expanded as well to Australia and they They've got two campuses that are going to be set up in the USA. And this is a Canadian woman who I very recently met, who I found very inspiring that she's set up this business. It makes so much sense to me because there are so many roles in football and what she's doing is really driving hard to get more females coming mm. through. They have around about 450 work placements across the world of football business um, that students can go on. And lo- loads of those will then go on to become future leaders, future decision makers and people that change politics Policies. It doesn't have to always be coaching and on the pitch. There's lots of roles within football, I think, that people don't always see. Mm. So I think things like this are, are really important. And, and I'm really uh, dot my cap to her because I think to be able to start something like this from, from fresh was a real big gamble yeah. but one that hopefully is paying off for it. Can we just pay tribute as well to those people involved in getting girls'
1: grassroots and women's football teams going? Um, especially when we're thinking about International Women's Day and the legacy and the generations to come. Since the Women's World Cup there's been 605 new girls' youth teams and 260 new women's clubs registered to play. That's, that's awesome. an incredible amount mm. and that's an incredible amount of, amount of people, men and women, supporting girls and women playing football very often for free. I also want to mention those championing LGBT and non-binary inclusion like Gold Diggers we had Shura on our women's football podcast yeah. um, the other week. Um, Gold Diggers are one of many organisations doing that and there's a running theme here when we're talking about setting up women's football teams and supporting people who want to coach and that is is that it's such a new explosion that many of the teams, I was reading about this in The Guardian I think um, a little while ago, Fleur Cousins who's uh, the the founder of Gold Diggers was, was saying and, and echoing many other people saying that because it's such a new thing, they can't secure space to play. They've got demand. They've got women signing up for football, enjoying playing football. It's making a difference to women and mums' lives. It's giving them something outside the kids. It's giving them something other than their job, perhaps. But at the moment, it can't be sustained because well-established men's teams are booking up pitch spaces. So in other words, when you've got a space that should be for everyone you've got 22 men who've booked that for kind of six weeks in advance because they're more established, because they've got a bit more money behind them, they can afford to book up those spaces. Many of the pitches are on kind of a first come first serve basis and it means if you're a young team, you can't just book a pitch for next week, you are block booked out by more established teams. So there, there is a huge call either for something to be
0: done about the booking system or for more space for young girls and women to play football. There is also a collaboration that can happen there with schools surely. You know, mm. you think of all the school facilities. The
1: school facilities,
2: yeah, yeah, and yeah.
0: the way but that that should
2: be. A lot be... of schools
0: do not have playing pitches anymore.
1: It's it's a concrete surface in a playground.
2: Mm. It's such a shame that you'd lose potential brilliant female footballers or even just any footballers yeah. that want to play. It's just because there a, isn't the space available, It's just that's really heartbreaking. Can I also pay tribute to? I know it's International Women's Day, but how important our male allies are yes. as well. In fact,
1: I was talking about this a yeah. couple of days They're ago. So
2: important, it's so important, because you feel like you're not alone mm. and that you're being—they are. the men got, out there who are supported. Have you got any male allies who you want to oh mention? Loads, and they've mainly been on your show. Really, <laughs> Kieran Tavan being a big one for me. Yeah. He's always and on Twitter, he's constantly calling out people. So Women's football writer for the Athletic, yeah, and and in real life as well. It's not just he's not a keyboard warrior. No. he does everything like people like Tim Stillman, Rich Laverty, you know, just people who champion the game but also champion us as well. Mm, mm. I, I completely agree. There are
1: loads of events going on around the UK to celebrate International Women's Day across other sports as well. So, um, if you can get involved, please do and big up the ladies. Strike a pose. OK, well, today, we're recording this on a Thursday, is World Book Day. My little one, Arthur's, dressed up as Paddington Bear. I've shown you a picture of that. I'll a
2: lovely Paddington my... Bear is, too. He
1: <laughs> loves it. Do you know, last year, we had an absolute rage on World Book Day. I'm sure, listen, World Book Day <laughs> is the bane of many parents. A, because we shouldn't have to go out and buy something, but we often do because we don't have the time to make outfits, but also because it's so damn annoying because
0: often your child does not want to dress up, and if they do, it's something... Completely impossible. <laughs> I, d- I do sympathise for parents because I've got lots of friends that are always having this nightmare the night before, um, <laughs> scrambling around, scrambling wondering around, if, wondering if Prime do three hour delivery. Yeah, <laughs> trying to get an outfit out. Um, and often, at least with this one, you can plan for it. But there's often so well, many other school days where they just throw something yeah. on you, and you bring them class. in as a, an alien tomorrow. <laughs> uh, yeah, my daughter's class um, happened to have a school
1: trip coinciding with World Book Day, so all these costumes have been prepared. They're going on a school trip. Where is the school trip? They're going to the local dump. So,
2: so that's not going to be confusing so that's, for the people there. That's What's not going to be strange, here? is it?
1: When
0: Harry Potter, Hermione, so Harry Potter Paddington and Bear, the dump. Uh, whoever else turns up at the dump. Anyway, well, I'm fresh from West Ham, from their World Book Day yes. event, uh, which I went and did some filming with, with a couple of players there at a, a primary school in East London. They weren't in fancy dress because, I was of course, to that's that today. Okay. That's today, isn't it? And it well, was the I day before that, that
1: the footballers
0: should have been carrying the flag mm. for the fancy dress. But they? what it was all about, they had a an author who's written a series of football books called Football Schools, and the illustrator was there, and they were doing some classes with with the, the assembly. And I just love young people and how they have no filter and how they just decide <laughs> to put so anything honest. forward. So they made uh, the Key Stage One children. In, put forward ideas for, for animals that could play in so certain these are kids positions. the age of seven. Oh, I, I like think.
2: it. It was really good. i like on the wing. Yes.
0: So <laughs> they had some excellent suggestions. So one, one girl put her hand up because they started with goalkeeper and said octopus because it's got eight arms. Love
2: it. A brilliant idea. Genius. Absolutely
0: brilliant. Then they, they all got really into it. You know, a lion should be in defence because it's strong and all these things. And then you could tell that the illustrator just completely lost it at one point because they decided on a chameleon for a winger. And and he was probably thinking i don't know how to draw a chameleon <laughs> and also because the whole thing was invisibility and that it could go down the wing as a winger um but it was absolutely brilliant some of the the suggestions coming up a sloth as the coach and you're thinking why <laughs> What's their impression of coaches?
2: suggest a <laughs> Very <sloth>. tactically astute <laughs> slots. <laughs> well, look, let's
0: extend this conversation
1: further. I would like either footballers with connections to books and not autobiographies, not how to play football books. OK, so, so random footballer book connections. Or do you have any footballers who you feel could double up as a fictional book
2: character? It's been touted before, I think, on other Totally shows. But Steve Bruce has written a a collection of novels, I believe, detective novels, which never continues to amaze me. These
1: are ingenious, by the way. They're called uh, Striker, Sweeper, Defender. It is a trilogy of books. About a murder. The front cover of one is just utterly hilarious because it basically has a footballer on the ground in that kind of murdered pose with like a pool of blood. Oh, the
2: outline of Yes, a... well,
1: it wasn't an outline. It is the actual, oh, the actual dead body. player. Oh, Steve. It is the actual murdered <laughs> um, murdered player. It features Ledersford town manager Steve Barnes. Steve Mm. Bruce, Steve Barnes, too close? (laughs) Maybe. It basically charts the star forward of Leddersford, who's found stabbed to death in the changing rooms. Uh, Barnes, the manager, already a suspect, naturally tries to solve the case, that the books are filled with kidnappings, betrayal and suspense. (laughs)
2: That's incredible. I mean, um, where does he find the time? Is it on the team bus? Do you think to away were, games? So, guys, guys, these
1: were done years. It was years in 1999. Ago. Apparently, the de Resistance is um, the fact that in the uh, t- towards the end of the first book, um, a sniper shoots a football out from under the foot of Steve Barnes as he's standing in the technical area at the end of a game. <laughs> <laughs>
2: It's absurd. <laughs> but I, <play> <laughs>
1: but I game. want to read it. <laughs> uh, okay, so Robin's homework, you need to read or try and get, apparently they're very hard to get hold of now, uh, Strike mm. a Sweeper Defender by Steve Bruce. Mm. Lindsay?
0: Frank Lampard had some books out. Uh, but we're going to gloss over that because I think they're, Pretty well known now yeah. that he that he's done some books. Um somebody you might not know who, who's written books is Mark Schwarzer, he used to be a goalkeeper for Chelsea and at Leicester City, um, Australian. Um, and he he's one of many, there are children's books out there that that lots of different footballers have turned their hand to. But the reason why I wanted to pick this one out is because of the message within the book. So his own childhood, he's the son of German immigrants, Mark Schwarzer, and he made that a central theme to this book called Megs and there's a series of books called Megs Um, and the first book you have a character Megs who's moved to Australia from England as a kid Mm. only to find football is a second class sport there and it really received credit really from all the people that reviewed these books for the way that it tackled immigration as one of the Mm. topics and there's lots of other issues, I think he's had five or six books in total so I wanted to mention his
1: How about a couple that have nothing to do with football whatsoever, this is a bit of a tenuous link but David Icke of course has written many books, featured for Hereford United (laughs) very controversial opinions but uh, the least controversial of which are his general theories about the fact that we're in the middle of a global conspiracy and that there are uh, other people who are uh, shape-shifting uh, within our existence little uh, family
2: lizards well, yes things i like think that. that
1: that that that's the controversial mm. bit um so we'll just gloss over that but listen i found an absolute beauty here for you girls um oh by the way word in from producer abby uh, you can get striker steve bruce's 1999 book first of the trilogy uh, for a thousand pounds on amazon oh that's a what
0: <laughs> yes. is that like the first edition
1: signed book as well? Well, as I said, these books are very sought after now. <laughs> uh, going through something of a resurgence, obviously. Uh, but anyway, I've I've basically found this book for you too. I'm going to just going to show you a picture. It's Francesco Totti. Oh, oh Rome wow. and his That's guide to Rome. He's dressed as a Roman warrior. Like, gladiator, Roman fighter gladiator, yeah. oh, 300. yes. 300, you know that He's film. got a tiny little skirt on and no- <laughs> nothing nothing on his chest. And this is absolutely serious now. Um, it's Francesco's Guide to Ancient Rome. Um, I shan't say what the uh, Italian title is. It is only available in Italian. Um, released in 2014, still available on Amazon, by the way. It doesn't cost £1,000 either. Uh, the legendary player takes you on a historical sightseeing trip around Rome. Wow. Yes, exactly. Quick footballers as
0: fictional characters, fire some at me. me. Okay. So I think that this player just suits this character so much. I don't know why. It must be their physique. It must be something about them. But I'm having Jamie Vardy as Fantastic Mr. Fox. Okay. Mm. Can you see that? Yes. All righty. Fox in the box. We've and got Fox in the box, plays mm. for the. Boxes. Yeah. Peter Crouch is the
1: BFG on here. Jose Mourinho is Mr Happy. Although I feel like Jose Mourinho is more Heathcliff, that kind of tortured anti-hero whose oh, rage like <laughs>
0: consumes
1: everything around him in Wuthering Heights. Uh, to the same note, Maurizio Pottaccino, I feel like he could do a Mr Darcy from Pride and Prejudice, archetypal aloof romantic hero, rops up, mm. rocks up and sweeps everyone uh, up in his uh, sheer presence
0: and masterfulness. I'll finish off with Maradona would be the Mad Hatter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. good. I think that's that's really good. I wanted a couple more. Kira Walsh, I've picked her as a lioness as Tinkerbell. I just think she's oh suit yeah, that. Nice, nice. And then Troy Deeney, after working with Anthony Joshua's trainer and everything, doesn't apply anymore. But predated, it was the hungry caterpillar. <laughs> <laughs> well you could apply that to a lot
1: of footballers couldn't you check out twitter by the way as well um a lot of clubs are tweeting their footballers reading books or oh, in crystal palace's case with uh, he's just reading a program uh, rather than an actual book <laughs> not sure that that really counts uh, all right just before we end let's go to any other business Well, as ever, some of the week's smaller stories, a few little nuggets from you if you don't mind. Robin Cowan, let's go to you first. Well, I think
2: most people must have seen this, but it's in the category of there's something in my eye, the Ben Foster social media video of him making a little girl's dream come true. And what a game to do it in, that Watford against Liverpool game. Thank you very much for I was at that match.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah it was it was such a great game to be at um i didn't predict obviously that watford, watford would be the club to do it but what i did say was that if ever liverpool was stopped on this charge it would be by an unexpected team mm. which it was are You're you right. claiming that victory basically no 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 okay no, no.
1: uh it was a little girl wasn't it Cool. was it was it molly, molly i'm trying to remember yes. from seeing and 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 i did watch the whole video through because it was lovely and uh, she was in a wheelchair and he wheeled her out onto the pitch and she was a mascot they she also got loads of great stuff loads of she got she got signatures from from her wasn't his comment as well. brilliant as
0: well? He was like, "Oh, we're going to leave tire marks on the track. You'll yeah. be able to." Um, sorry, <laughs> we're going to leave tire marks on the pitch. You're going to be able to see those and think that was me. Yeah, it
2: was. It was an amazing video, wasn't it? Yeah, really lovely well, there to scenes see. Of him just sitting around with the family and saying, "We're going to do this." It's Just what a top guy. Yeah, Lindsay. I'm going to go with
0: my club Wolves and the fact that a few days ago, if you follow Wolves on Twitter, you'll have seen that the iconic badge suddenly disappeared. They took the wolf out of the badge. One of the best, if you ask me, if not the best Mm. um, up and down world football. And it was the renowned wolf had disappeared. Uh, And I suppose it got everybody thinking why, which is a lot of these social media campaigns. This is how they're so effective, because you just do something and then everyone's being quite quizzical about it, including producer Abby, who was wondering and sending me a message, what's going on with Wolves' badge? It was all to raise awareness for World Wildlife Day, so they removed it because they were trying to say, imagine the world without, without the wildlife, yeah. without the animals. Very
2: clever, like that. I like that, I like that very, very much indeed.
1: Um, not much from me, but only to say still playing international football at the age of 42 for Maiga. She plays for Brazil. She's just played a match recently. Uh, if all goes well, she's injury-free. She'll play in her seventh Olympics this summer in Japan for Brazil. So a little nod to another inspirational woman and a player playing at 42.
2: I'm also looking forward to seeing Casey Stoney and Kelly Smith play in Soccer Aid. That's been announced, so I can't wait. Although Casey did tweet saying, I hope I'm not caught in a foot race with Usain
1: Bolt. (laughs) She definitely still keeps herself in check, the Manchester United women manager, Casey Stoney. All right, we're going to wrap it up there. Thank you so much for joining me. What's next on the agenda for both of you? Wolves against Brighton for me this weekend I will see you there oh, oh nice <laughs> that's brilliant a little bit of an Offside Rule pod reunion um, I feel left out not being there but have a wonderful time Lindsay I know I'll see you again next week Robin we'll see you again very soon thanks so much for having me thanks for listening everyone don't forget you can check us out at Offside Rule pod for all matters on social uh, for the Offside Rule you can check out our weekend wanderings and many other delicious articles there's some She Believes international women's uh, football action on there as well actually Offside Rule keep those reviews coming as well well it's been great reading those yes we're also by the way supporting the same goals campaign from manchester city where every single girl who scores or saves a goal if you video it if you're a parent listening to this or you've got niece or nephew or friends video a girl scoring or saving a goal send it to manchester city have a look at their twitter feed every
0: single video the girl gets a free limited edition puma football not only that if you actually put at offside rule pod and include us on it you then go into a draw as well to win a signed steph horton shirt could one of you film me yes oh oh, yes yes (laughs) we need to do ours as
1: well Uh, thank you for listening folks and we'll see you again next week sports social podcast network